And it's time to be joined by our next guest, one of the luminaries of the wine industry. It's good morning to you, Randall Pollard. <laughs> good morning, Richard, and good morning, Jordan. How you doing, um, mate? Very, thank you for the very complimentary uh, introduction. Well, I've, I'm just sort of working my way through all the legends uh, <laughs> from Victoria. You know, I've had um, had Patrick from Sellerhand on, and I've always wanted to chat to you about, you know, where your love of wine comes from, not only, but also what you're doing. But you're joining us from Noosa this morning, so that's that's commitment to the cause. <laughs> oh, well, it's a nice thing to do on a Sunday morning. I was enjoying listening to, to Marcus. And uh, you guys have a chat just before. Uh, he's, Marcus is great. Is, is Noosa, it's a bit of a wine town up there, isn't it? Yeah, they have a um, wine and food festival once a year and there's plenty of great restaurants and plenty of great food. So it's, and it's warm, Richard. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, isn't, isn't Noosa sort of the second home for people who have a second home in Sorrento? Isn't that sort of the the joke? Or um, I, I've yeah. never really been up to Noosa, so I don't I don't know personally. Oh, it's a beautiful spot. Okay, I've just just woke up this morning and had a swim. Walked out the front door, jumped in the water. Yeah, it was great. You staying there on Hastings Street, Randall? No, yeah, Noosa Sound. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, and um, up here with um, there's four generations of us up here. Oh, amazing. Um, my my dad's uh, 88, so. Uh, um, and uh, mum's a bit younger than that, so and and you know I've got grandkids, so that's fantastic. Lots of people. Uh, yeah. Must be a bit different from your normal swimming. I've seen you on Instagram going out for swims in the middle of winter in Victoria. You're a you're a very keen, fit kind of bloke, aren't you? Oh, I'm very keen. I, I'd like to be fitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I try every day to go out in the in the bay in Melbourne. Every day, and I love it. It's yeah. it's quite addictive. Yeah, oh, yeah. and. Um, you know, I do like eating and drinking, I suppose you've noticed. So, <laughs> so um, you know, you have to balance it by doing some exercise. Yeah, yeah. I, I went for a swim off the west coast of Sweden on, on a lobster fishing sort of expedition I was sponsoring. And um, wow. and it was, <laughs> it was so cold when you got in the water that you literally just went stiff and you stopped breathing. Um, and we, we spent about two minutes in there and then got into like a, it wasn't a sauna, we had a spa set up on the side and it was one of the most amazing experiences. We had all the wine set up and all the lobsters. It was very, very Gucci. Um, so uh, you, you spoke about your old man there, Randall. Did he get you into wine? Was he a wine collector? Um, not really. Um, they Mum and Dad enjoyed wine and I used to, you know, when I was 14 and 15, used to taste it. But, um, no, I wouldn't say a, a, a mad collector back then. Um, I got interested when I went to New Zealand. I worked in New Zealand for a couple of years and um, started working in hotels and uh, restaurants and um, started to, you know, buy a lot of different wines and start tasting. And then when I got back to Brisbane, um, I got a job in a very fancy restaurant where they um, taught me how to cook, cook at the table, wow. you know, wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> which is a skill in itself not to not to get splashed with food um yeah. whilst whilst remaining you know um looking elegant <laughs> um yeah so that was that that place was called milano and that had an amazing uh, wine list yeah with what bordeaux and burgundy going back to the 40s wow um, and lots of old australian wine classics and lots of people you know max lake had come in and always leave always order plenty of great wine and, and leave plenty to taste. Hmm. So, and, and Len Evans and people like that. Yeah. It's a, it's, there is a, 
There is a great feeling in the industry about that. I reckon when you go BYO to to make sure that all the staff get a taste of stuff and just mm. like, come on, guys, come and have a look at this wine. It's really good. And we've yeah. got some um, obviously some very good BYO restaurants in in Melbourne that everyone. In fact, we should do a show on that, Jordan, at some point. Go. That would be a good one. Go to Mateo's, you know, Scopri, you know, Recreation yep. Bottle Shop and Bistro, all that mm. sort of stuff. But um, of course, Duck Duck yeah. and Pino is one of the great. Room. What was that? Townsend Wine Room have an industry night and Stokehouse. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's fantastic. But also, I do remember Randall sort of ten years ago. This this there was a lot of sommeliers out there who were like, and I think it was more of a thing that happened in the US, where these rich people would bring in you know Romany Contis or something, and the restaurant didn't have a BYO policy, and they expected to get it opened because the joy of it for them was like, well, you're going to get to taste it. Like, yeah. that's going to be the BYO. Yeah. And the restaurants are like, mate, that's not quite how it all works. So, <laughs> yeah. And I th- so I think some of the – when you see $40 on a, for a BYO somewhere, I think that's cheap. How mm. good is that? And other people go, yeah. oh, that's like twice the, the bottle of wine. Well, that's not the sort of wine you take mm. to restaurants like that. Anyway, um, yeah, so just, Randall – take you, an expensive bottle and $40 sounds cheap. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. Mm. Uh, you, you actually went to Roseworthy too, didn't you? You actually studied wine. What did, what did you do there? I did a um, – uh, I studied uh, wine production and marketing. Um, which which I loved. It was great. And and when um, when was that? Are we talking like sort of eighties, nineties? Was it or? Yeah, no, I'm ancient. Um, <laughs> that, that was that was in uh, the early eighties. I'm just trying to put it like uh, put a context. Was it sort of pre Tamara Grishy kind of time and Matt Matt Harrop and that yeah. sort of stage? Or yes, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So in fact, I think when Matt Matt Harrop, who's one of the great legends, yes, um, um, when he First became an associate judge. I think I was a you know panel chair, right um, at the Victorian wine show. He was he was uh, your padawan. He was padawan to your Jedi. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. He was yeah. he was young and enthusiastic and um, wet behind the ears. <laughs> and look at him now. <laughs> Did you enjoy the the wine show judging sort of side of it? Do you think it's still a, a very relevant part of the industry? Yes, I, yeah, I do. I think it's it's fantastic for for training people. Uh, and um, and for winemakers to to see um, other uh, you know what other winemakers are doing yeah yeah um, it's yeah it is good in fact I'm going over to uh, Adelaide in two weeks for the um, AWRI um, course okay cool just for a bit of brushing up yeah. Um, um, I- I guess it's one of those things for people in the industry to do a bit of associate judging somewhere and, and work their way through and then try and go to, you know, the Len Evans tutorial or something because they're always opening the classic wines, mm. aren't they, really? So. Oh, it's remarkable, yeah. Yeah, I'm lucky enough to get a gig up there talking about Riesling or or other things um, each year lately and that's been great. Yeah, because you, you import one of the... Great Riesling producers of the world, don't you, Keller? Yes. Tell us yeah, about tell us about Keller. Why, why is it such a cult? Is it? Would you describe it as a cult producer? I guess so. Yes. Um, it, it's well, if you just look at price first off, yeah, it's the most expensive dry Riesling in the world that I know mm. of. Um, his top wine, we're talking about G Max, which is quite rare. Yeah. But even his other other single vineyard. Um, Wines uh, are very expensive. You know, you're talking uh, six, seven, eight hundred dollars a bottle. Crikey! <laughs> and uh, 
and and we can't get enough. No. And we've never been able to get enough. No. Of those. Brenda, would you and, say most um, most of those bottles are going to restaurants or private collectors? A bit of both. A lot go to restaurants, so. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, so as I say, we can't get enough. Um, but I, I think the reason for the for the greatness, uh, or the reason for the demand is that they're great, yeah. and the reason they're great is because um, well, it's multifaceted, but um, they have great sites. But I think the the large thing is the, their dedication to the vineyards. Yeah. And um, I remember, I think it's in a Levi Dalton um, interview, he was interviewing um, uh, Zinhumrecht, and and he said, you know, winemakers talk about their, their rocks and their aspect and their height above sea level and all of these things. He said, you know, there's great wine made in all, all dirts, mm. all all elevations, all aspects, um, and, and what makes a wine great is the burning desire of the winemaker to make something great. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and you can do it in lots of different places, lots of different varieties. And I think that that reminds me of Keller. They're always in the vineyard. Um, the whole family they love it. Um, and if the listeners haven't followed them on Instagram, it's it's worthwhile doing so because you know they're always posting these lovely pictures of what they're doing in the vineyard yeah right and and you can tell you can tell they're passionate yes uh well obviously so olivia's in hornbreck makes some of the kraken wines from up in the alsace region you you what other sort of things when it comes to importing because you've got an import business and um and a retail business so what's what yes. what what sort of sort of stuff in terms of burgundy you know what's you know because it's obviously getting pretty expensive at the moment so where's is there anywhere value wise in terms of burgundy oh i've just started um importing uh, a Puy Fusay producer called um, Frederick Burria, who's got Chateau de Beauregard. Okay. Um, and and you probably know that um, from 20 vintage onwards, Puy Fusay has uh, um, almost 10, about 10 Premier Crews. Yep. For the first time ever. Yes. Um, and um, But the wines are great. I can't stop drinking them. Um, in fact, I had a glass last night of a vineyard called Marichaux. And um, they're, they're remarkable value, I think. And there's a lot... And I was at the Prince Wine Store last week and I bought a Macon Vinzel um, from the Brett Brothers. Uh, yes. And, you know, it, it, that's remarkable value, I think. So that region, I think, is something um, we should look out for and would, explore more. Would you say, Randall, that heart and soil, the... the the importing business has a, a particular focus or an area of, of the world that it does really well? Uh, yes, I'd, I'd, I'd say German German wines, particularly Riesling, although not just limited to Riesling, and mm. Burgundy. And every time I, I see a, a... Recently I was in Seville and I found a great sherry producer and... I thought, should I import this? And I think, oh, no, there's another burgundy I want to do first. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've also got some very good uh, Beaujolais, though, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have two Beaujolais and uh, producers and, and um, both from Cote de Bruy and Chateau de Vannes, of course. They're, they're uh, almost royalty. Iconic. Yes, iconic. 
another another uh, Sonia Sonia um, Geoffroy Geoffrey. Um, she's a legend in the vineyard too, and and I love following her on Instagram because she's always doing something different, like planting olive trees for biodiversification, or right. or um, you know sending sending pictures of her, her sheep that are in the vineyard, yeah. um, that sort of thing, and and the view from the top of Mont Bruy is beautiful. Yeah, that's a that's an extinct uh, volcano, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, the soil is certainly very volcanic. Mm. Uh, the diorite and um, and granite, um, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a remarkable. Life. Of course, I sort of half joke to people that it's a Cote de Brewery is a is is a bullseye crew because it's a crew in the middle of another crew. Yeah, because um, yeah. Cote de Brewery is right in the centre of Brewery. A Brewery, yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, well, so that's... therefore, it has to be better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, I mean, before you, st- when did you start bringing those those Chateau Tuvan wines in, Randall? Uh, that was over twenty years ago. Yeah. So, would it be fair um, to say that you know you've really championed that and got that kind of style really into? Was anyone bringing anything like that in before that? Is my question, I suppose. Um, to be honest, I I. I can't remember, but I assume so. Yes, um, but but I think you're more likely to see George de Berth in a shop than yeah. than a than a producer, a grower producer yes. back in those days. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. When I first started, yeah, um, that would have been 25 years ago. So the, some... um, when I first started, that we were the first to bring in. Um, no, actually, I often joke with John Osbeeston that we weren't. He was the first to bring in Banjoan. But we were the first to sell it. He, he used to complain that he, he couldn't sell it. Um, so we we were the first to kind of promote um, wines from the Jura. Yeah. And, and when I say we, I mean Heart and Soil, the import business. And we were the first to bring in Pickpool. And I'm I'm a little bit annoyed now that lots of people are doing it because we had it to ourselves for quite a few years. And it was Sorry good about value. that. <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing better than than pig pool and oysters on a sunny yeah, afternoon. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's great value, isn't it? Yeah. Do you? Do you? Um, we had uh, we were talking about the, some of the Tissot wines before a couple of weeks ago. Do you, do you import those too? Yes. Yeah. So yes. that's it, just I've never had a chance. To, I'm not trying to you know get this conversation to to me trying to wines, but I've just you know if you if you follow the guys on the wine front. Uh, and I know Mike yeah. Benny's a huge champion of those wines in terms of Chardonnay. They just talk about yeah. them with such reverence. Um, what is it about yeah. those wines that makes them so incredible? Um, well, once again, we go back to the Olivier Zinumbrecht um, scenario. I think with Stefan Tissot, he's, he's just such a legend and he has such a burning desire to, to make great wine. Um, and, and he's really pushing the envelope and uh, actually, Steve Flamsteed, who you will know, yep, um, you know, uh, legendary winemaker um, from Yarra and and beyond, um, he he reckons that Stefan Tissot is the greatest Chardonnay winemaker in the world. Wow, it's pretty and, um, high praise. Yes, yeah. Well, we'll have to try one together one day. Well, <laughs> you can take me up on that. I'll take that. <laughs> Uh, well, mate, that would be that would be absolutely fa- fantastic. And but w- w- what's up and coming in Australia at the moment for you as well? Have you got a producer that you've got your eye on before we um, before we round out the the interview? Oh, there's lots, isn't there? Um, mm. I tell you what, I did have the other day. Yeah. Um, 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 a guy, uh, a friend and customer, and 
colleague from Adelaide visited um, Rick Kinnisborough and um, was coming to my place for dinner afterwards, and he bought half a bottle of 21 Pinot. Right. Uh, that Rick shoved the cork in and said, here, take that back and drink it with Randall. And uh, I was blown away. I mean, we all know Ducon de Chardonnay is amazing. And uh, we know the Pinot, well, in my mind, the Pinot has always been been really good. Mm. But this just blew my mind. It was fantastic. It's another level of, um, it's quite a structured wine. And um, a lot of the, 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 I think the drawback for some Australian Pinot is it's all it's a bit light compared to Burgundy. Yeah, doesn't have the the kind of inbuilt tannic structure. Yeah, and um, uh, you know which can be firm but silky at the same time. Yeah. which is <laughs> I don't know how they do it. I know it's such a duck, it's such a weird thing. Randall, yeah, while, right. while you're in Noosa, um, have you had a chance to pop over to Atelier Wine Bar? I uh, know I haven't. Have a, ha, have, have a look at these guys on Instagram, Atelia. I think you'll uh, really enjoy it. Nothing nothing like it really in Queensland. Okay. Oh, I'll definitely do that. Today's my last day, so I'll have time. Beautiful. That's but, the, uh, we sort of go we back no to the, go back to that, um, that sort of silky but firm thing that you were talking about, isn't it? That is, that is the great thing about Burgundy, and sometimes people don't believe me when they... And they think, oh, well, French wine or, you know, Pinot's light or this or that, but... It's it's got this this amazing power to it this this tannin structure that we just don't seem to get in Australian Pinot and I I sort of describe it like having a, a huge engine in this tiny little car but it handles really well and you, but you've got to know how to drive yeah. it don't you? Yeah. <laughs> but what you're saying you have to know what to eat with it. Well, <laughs> it's just sort of a set of expectations because I mean I think the top yeah. the top um, Grand Cru Burgundies that I remember tasting for the first time when they were young. That it was the tannins that really left me astonished because they were so persistent, yeah. but so as you say, silky and firm at the same time. And you know, it's this, yeah. um, it's this magical, weird chasing the dragon thing. I worked at uh, Tarawara, and uh, I'd never had these great wines. And Mister Beeson just said, "Well, let's open some of them." So he opened with an eighty-five Latash. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, like, my life's been pretty, pretty, pretty terrible ever since that moment. In some ways, because I've mean, had a few good ones. One that's better than that. Oh, I've had, haven't had many that are better than that. I'll tell you that. This conversation started with you lobster diving in Sweden oh, and mate. ended with you pulling the cork on Latash. I'm so Gucci, mate. I tell yeah. you, I'm so Gucci. Well, um, as I as I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm I'm not a youngster anymore, and um. The advantage with that is that I can clearly remember when we could afford to drink all of these DRCs. And, yeah. and uh, as a student at Roseworthy, whenever it was someone's birthday, I'd go to the, we'd go to the shop and buy a bottle of Bollinger RD, um, <laughs> and and we could we could afford first growth Bordeaux and and. Uh, and, and the occasional bottle of DRC. College students so, around Australia are <laughs> crying right now. <laughs> oh, I've, I've seen, yeah, I've seen, I've seen students come in and buy a slab of seltzers for 130 bucks. I'm <sighs> like, you can do a lot better than that for 130 bucks. Uh, yeah. anyway. uh, Randall yeah. Pollard, thank you uh, for joining us uh, on the Wine Show Australia. I'm glad we got to to get you on the show. Really fantastic, and look forward to catching you soon, my friend. Yes, we'll drink a glass of Tissot. Oh, that would be wonderful. And thanks, Richard, and thanks, Jordan.